Hi, welcome to 99 Problems But A Boss Ain't One, the podcast that solves your freelance problems one at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Michelle Pratt of Dive Deeper Development, a personal coaching and training business. And hello, I am your other host, Katie Carlisle. I run a Squarespace web design business called The Wheel Exists. And today we are going to be talking about a problem that is very prevalent amongst freelancers, but more because of the fear of it than the actual thing itself. So we're gonna be talking about failure. The F word. Yes. (laughs) So I think when it comes to freelancing and failure, Michelle, why do you think this is something which is a topic that is more relevant to freelancing perhaps than people who are employed or in other walks of life? Yeah, I think it does apply to everyone, isn't it? Everyone uh, is fear, uh, has a fear of failure or, or not achieving something. But I think for freelancers, it's particularly stuck, not least because as we'll discuss in the podcast, it's a, it's a necessary evil. We kind of need to do a lot of it to be successful. So I think it's very important that we learn to deal with it well. Um, but I don't know, I personally think it's a bit of a cultural thing as well. We're kind of, we go to school, we're supposed to get all the answers right in the test. Uh, we're supposed to get eight out of 10. If we don't, we focus on what happens to that too. We, we have passed exams to go to university or to get a qualification. We get a qualification, we go to a job. You go into the job and you're taught to cover your backside and get things right and to look before you look before you leap I think is how we're socialized to bring up so I think this idea of failure is a bad thing is really prevalent but speak to any entrepreneur and they'll tell you why it's the best thing ever I don't know what your thoughts yeah well I think that freelancers probably do need to be a bit more resilient compared to somebody in the workplace a lot of the time just because there are so many opportunities to fail like especially at the start when freelancing is new to you and, and like you say, we're not used to it. Like, so, so we're, we're really scared of it and it can actually hold us back as freelancers, I think more so even than in the workplace, just because there are so many more opportunities as a freelancer that if you're scared of failing, you're not gonna try anything. Yeah, and you're on your own as well, aren't exactly, you? Exactly, exactly. So we've talked about isolation in the previous episode. And actually, if you don't have that kind of community of people, those connections that can encourage you to try something and support you if you do fail, then it can be really daunting to know that this might not work out. And actually, that's, that's I suppose, the thing that underpins the whole conversation about failure is the, the fear of uncertainty, the fear of the unknown and the what if. That's actually probably worse than the actual end result sometimes. Yeah, I used to work in a corporate and, um, you know, you kind of you share the, you kind of, if there's a failure, you kind of got each other's backs and there's quite a lot of blaming other people and backside covering as well going on in in that environment I was working in. So um, yeah, failure was definitely a bad thing. Yeah, Yeah. that's it. Yeah, it's not something that is culturally celebrated celebrated as much. And I think there is more of a movement now that it's becoming something that is seen as 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 a really valuable tool in developing and learning. But I think there's I guess there's kind of there's the failure that helps you learn and then there's stuff failing and just really not working out in in a way that you you kind of you'll get some lessons from it but it's going to be really hard and I guess it's that second type that people are scared of you know if they go freelance that there is you know a lot of small businesses do fail that is you get that stat like, thrown at you when you set up a business yeah don't you? I know say, well, one in however many businesses yeah, don't make it beyond the first yeah. year we're like thanks <laughs> <laughs> and so like maybe some of those businesses are, fa- are failing because of a fear of failure ironically and so they're not trying stuff enough but I think you know if you're just starting out and if you've got going from a, a sort of 
regular salary and sensible job and everything else and you're going to something where it is so uncertain I think having that fear of failure is really normal and like you know there's the kind of healthy fear and the unhealthy fear I think it makes sense to be aware of the possibility of things that might go wrong when you're starting out as a freelancer you know if if you don't have enough money and you have a mortgage, then that is a real fear to have. So I think having a bit of fear of failure can be quite motivating because that then actually gets you to go out and get the work and do stuff. So I think a bit of fear of failure can be okay, but I think it's probably one of the biggest barriers to people going freelance and staying freelance is worrying about failure. Screwing up. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? You say you need that balance. You need enough of a healthy fear to practically appraise the situation and to take steps to do things right and to avoid any obvious errors. So I suppose we're going to talk about some of the joys of failure today. Yeah. And we're not saying be reckless, just chuck yourself in and take all the consequences because <laughs> that, that, that's probably not a good idea. But too much, too much respect for uh, what could go wrong or too much fear of what could go wrong, as you say, can hold you back. Um, it's, it, I, I like to come up with a little science bit. It's called negativity bias. So we all have it. We have, There's lots of different biases we all have. And one of the big ones is negativity bias. So not only are we socialised, as I say earlier, to think that failure is bad, but um, that's kind of how we're hardwired as well. And it goes back to the days, or in evolutionary terms, it goes back to the days where if you think about it, when we had physical predators, if you were out hunting and you were likely to be attacked or eaten by something, then it stands to reason that the, the, the people who didn't stick their head out the cave the people who uh, were a bit more cautious got eaten less so therefore um, we do have this natural bias and of course when you are going to be eaten or attacked or mauled to death by a physical predator having a really healthy fear is a really good idea you probably shouldn't uh, get yourself attacked by a bear or whatever um, but of course we don't evolve um, that quickly. Evolution is painfully slow. So we, what we tend to do is still have that negativity bias that allowed us to survive back in the day. But of course, these days, we're not looking to simply survive. We've pretty much got our safety needs, our food, our shelter, all those needs met. So these days, we're looking to thrive, but we've still got this natural bias towards um, averting risk or a fear, a fear of screwing up that uh, drives us so that can make we're, we're in survival mode and really we should be in thriving mode so um, don't beat yourself up too much if you fear failure we do have a natural inclination to focus on what could go wrong and uh, this is shown in experiments where people do gambling and things uh, people will um, even if it's mathematically makes more sense to gamble your money and go for the bigger win, people will still uh, take a less of a return to avoid any loss. So it's a natural thing, it's a social thing. So the odds are stacked against us, but it's not altogether terrible. No, and I think that actually sometimes you could even have the, 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 the outward appearance of success and not even just appearance you can be successful by a lot of people's definitions and so you're not necessarily a failure in terms of how other people see you but sometimes you can set your expectations so high that you feel like a failure compared to yourself and your own standards so I think it'd be interesting to talk about that as well so that you know there's the times when yeah it's it's just a failure and there's no sugarcoating it it's gone wrong. That was terrible. Yeah. But there's other times when actually it probably has gone well, but you're seeing it as a failure. So I think there's the actual failures and the things you see as failure when actually there's quite a lot of success in there, but you're just, again, focusing on the negative side of it. And I think even something like going from a corporate job 
to freelancing, you could be doing super well in your first year of freelancing and doing way better than most people do. If you're earning less than you were in your corporate job, I think psychologically, there's still something about that, oh, I'm a failure because I'm not earning as much as I was. Even if the reason for you going freelance was to have a better work-life balance or whatever, I think there's something about that comparison side of it that, again, makes us really aware or overly aware to the point where we're making up the fact that we failed. So I think it'd be really interesting to talk about that side of it as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that does beg the question, Kate, you were talking about we measure ourselves by money or comparison. What is failure anyway? And I think that's a really important question. A lot of people fear screwing up, but what what do we mean by failure? Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's really interesting. I think, yeah, it's it's... Like you say, sometimes that's the, I haven't met my own expectations and so I have failed to live up to those expectations. Sometimes it's not meeting external expectations. So for a client delivery, for example. And then sometimes, yeah, I guess failure is it not going according to plan. I mean, would you say that's kind of... I don't know. It's a tough one. I guess one of the questions I've got is how do you measure it? Uh, and what yardstick are you measuring by? And I think, I know what you mean. When I first um, went self-employed, I wasn't uh, earning as much. I'm still not earning as much as I was working for a, for a corporate. But my, and, and I think when I left, I was using the same measures that would that I just always accepted. I think we're grown up with, with these ideas that you earn amount, you climb the ladder, you get married, you have kids, here's all the markers of success. And actually becoming self-employed, I had to determine my own measures and actually well-being work-life balance uh depth of relationships quality time free time for me uh my personal growth uh, mental stimulation from what i'm doing these became the measures of success and i suppose they still are so um if i'm not earning as much or not working on high profile things or i don't have the job title is that a failure not not by my standards and there is a little bit of nerve in holding on to what you think your criteria is as opposed to what other people expect it to be but that can feel quite scary yeah and there is that that kind of societal pressure as well to do things like kind of conform a bit to the norm and i guess maybe it's a bit about kind of exercising your failure muscles or ex- you know kind of making standing by like you say those decisions to do things differently even if it could be considered a failure and you know I mean like actually I've had quite a lot of practice because most of my friends from from school and other walks of life have uh, you know very happy living fairly I would say conventional lives sorry any friends that are listening (laughs) (laughs) they're very supportive of me so they probably are listening to the podcasts um but but you know they they've they've gone to university and they've got kind of graduate jobs and they've got married and they've had children and they're working part-time and 95 type jobs and and yeah they're kind of progressing through their careers and everything like that they've bought houses and everything and I've just kind of done things a bit differently so you know I, I never really did the whole graduate job thing I've kind of had a bit of a portfolio career um I don't want to get married I don't want to have children and you know we're um, we're planning on moving away from where everybody else we know lives just to kind of like follow our dreams of moving to the seaside and, and I guess that's almost like I'm, I'm kind of used to doing things a bit differently so when I decided to go freelance I guess I felt less pressure on me to to, to conform and to be successful in society's terms and that probably did take a lot of pressure off me but I think if you're going if you if you have always kind of been in that kind of more conventional life then it probably is is harder to not see it as a success um but I think you're really right in saying like what is failure I don't know yeah how do you answer that because I just think 
it's so subjective a lot of the time other than some things where you could say like even stuff where it out and out failed you can still take something from it so is that still is it is there such a thing as failure i think i think i've just unraveled the episode well that's what that's that's what i was asking can you fail i don't know i think i was gonna say can can you fail if you're going to what you're pursuing what you really want you're really passionate about or even if you don't know what you want but you're discovering it and this is your process for doing it then i don't think that any wrong turn or any bump in the road can you say can is it possible to fail i'd probably say no and i think even if you are measuring by your own standards and you're not getting there and you're feeling frustrated because you feel like you've failed according to your own standards um is it really failure um and i think i think that's the that's the thing is it is it does it all come down to yes it's a perception yeah and, and how you see it i mean interestingly we were talking just before the episode about about what our failures were and we were both saying actually we're we're finding it a bit hard to think of failures because we see a lot of the stuff from our freelancing careers anyway we're seeing a lot of stuff in the light of what we've learned from it since then and so we've almost kind of gotten over that that slightly raw phase where you really feel it emotionally and now we're able to look back and kind of go well do you know what that happened and it wasn't how I wanted it to happen but actually we learned something from it so yeah is it a failure or was it actually a a jumping off point to where we are now a better place yeah Yeah. it's it's interesting hindsight is very useful when it comes to failure because then you can see how it's got you where you are when you're in the moment and it's failing I suppose everything seems a little bit more bleak just feels horrible doesn't it <laughs> it's funny that neither of us could think of a failure despite the fact that we both know that nothing that we do ever goes 100% swimming yeah. it never does yet really struggle to think of something as yeah. a failure and as you say is the and I'm super negative so like for me to say that is a bit of a big deal like I'm like I'm always like everything's terrible I'm such a catastrophe and at the time you were probably going oh my god yeah, went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but now when you look back at it it's hard to think of failure and I think it is true there's no such thing as failure there is only feedback or there's no such thing as failure there is only learning and i think it does go against everything we've been brought up or how our nature to look at failure as a good thing because um because it feels so horrible at the time yeah and it provokes all these feelings at the time but of course every failure is 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 a learning so you um you either succeed or you learn and and it's a bit kind of business bs self-help you book <laughs> cliche but it is true um you can't really fail if you if you learn from it i think and if you grow as a result then it was most definitely definitely worth it um so we, yeah, we were talking about fa- failures and yeah we really struggled but then um i made a note before that my first ever webinar i was doing a webinar open for the public trying to get a bit of a movement going around a particular coaching topic and i i did some facebook advertising i got like a few people signed up not that many to be fair but some and I ended up doing a public webinar to one person and i'm not really convinced that person was all that engaged um so all that effort all that money and it definitely was not a go in fact i then we started talking about failure and i started to remember loads of stuff so thanks for that um <laughs> And I, got, help. I had a lifestyle business to begin with and I was rubbish at it I mean that was just that just sucked that was not I mean I think I broke even eventually but that was definitely not worth my time so yeah a whole lifestyle business I was 
that was not good. But I can't really see that as failure because I learned about business and actually I probably would have cost me way, way more to go on a business course and I wouldn't have learned half as much. So that experience of, uh, it was a really good grounding in actually how to run a business. And it was a fairly cheap and inexpensive way and not very time consuming way of learning those lessons. So I don't see it as a failure. In fact, when I decided to shut that business down, I was like, hey, I'm an entrepreneur. I failed at my first business, <laughs> check me out. Well, I, I was listening to a podcast, uh, which was, taught, which was um, it's hosted by someone that, that's involved with kind of uh, distributing funding to startups in the, in the US specifically, I think it's sort of venture capital type things. Um, and actually one of the things that the guy was saying that was being interviewed was he you know he said that that now when he's looking to fund projects he wants to see that they've set up and failed at multiple businesses before the one that they're bringing to him because he knows how valuable it is to learn from those again air quotes failures and actually he he wants them he doesn't want them to fail on his dime he wants them to have already failed on their own dime so that they're really really know what they're doing and then when he's investing in them he's got a lot more faith in people who have failed before but i think it's something that that again maybe in the us it's seen as a bit more of a thing to to be able to do in the kind of you know the sort of silicon valley type universe but i think here we're, we're really reluctant to put anything on our cvs or anything like that that might imply that we've ever failed um but i just think that you know when when i was doing when i first started freelancing I kind of had this sort of weird confidence that it would just all work out one way or another. But actually, after I'd been doing it for a few months, I realised that even if it didn't work and I was going to go back into paid employment, I'd have got more skills in those few months of freelancing than I would have done in about six years of employment because you just learn so much when you're doing it yourself. And and I just think that's... I just think freelancers are probably a bit unemployable in, in the sense that they're probably not very good at being managed if they've been freelance for a while yeah, but, but beyond that I think they're really employable because they've got so many such a diverse set of skills compared to somebody who's just been sort of trundling along in the employment kind of route for a while and has maybe got a bit complacent it's interesting it's really interesting what you say I never really thought about that but if you had to pick a team would you rather pick someone that never put a foot wrong which would make me a bit suspicious or would you rather pick someone who said look I put plenty of feet wrong but here's what I've learned and now I know what to do I guess you'd have more confidence yeah yeah so, I, I think as well maybe like would you say I, I mean I think I I think I do this I don't know if it's common to other people but I think I probably judge myself by much higher and harsher standards than I judge other people so if somebody failed and was telling me about it, I'd be like, oh no, that's totally fine. It's not a failure. Whereas if I did that thing, I'd be like, I'm the worst person ever. Maybe I'm rubbish at this. I've failed and I'm yeah. worthless. Yeah, there is, you know, there was a there was a study about this. Um, they they say you notice your screw ups way more than anybody else. No one else notices. And they did an experiment where they got um, a student in the university because they always experiment on students <laughs> when they're doing these these studies. And um, they lined the student up for a really important meeting. And but they they stitched him up. So they got him to wear a Barry Manilow T-shirt. And then they sent him into the meeting slightly late. So this guy walks into the meeting with a Barry Manilow T-shirt on, which for students are total. <laughs> 
cringe, right? The idea was it had the cringe factor. Like, so not only am I walking in late, but everyone's looking at me wearing this really <laughs> naff T-shirt. Sorry, any Barry Marlowe fans. And um, and he walked into the meeting and, and then they sent him in. And then afterwards, they surveyed him and the other participants to uh, guess on a scale of 10 how many people had noticed the T-shirt, which he was very self-conscious of wearing, and how many people had thought badly of it or judged him for it. He estimated the impact that he felt that it had. They then measured it against the impact that it actually had, how many other people noticed or what other people thought. And as you probably won't be surprised to hear, the other people in the room really didn't give as much as a stuff about <laughs> what he was wearing when he walked in as he did. He grossly overestimated the impact that would have. And we tend to do that. We tend to wait. We, we, we're, we're a little bit egocentric, aren't we? Or a bit narcissistic. We tend to think that the world around us yeah. and that other people think way about us as much as we do about ourselves, <laughs> which we don't. So failure is definitely a good thing or even is there such a thing as failure we might replace the word failure with learning if we're really <laughs> um but it does feel pretty rubbish when it happens so what can we do about it so let's talk about some of the some of the approaches we can take katie what do you think i think that like like you say it's 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 all very well and good to say it's not failure it's, it's learning it's a positive experience but but yeah you know if 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 you lose a client or if you if you don't deliver something that damages the client relationship, then it's very hard in that moment to see that as as anything but a failure. Um, so I think the first thing I'd say, I mean, one, one of the things that I was thinking about when, when we were talking about failure beforehand was one of the clients that I had when I was fairly, fairly early on um, doing freelancing. And on paper, we were a perfect match and we met up face to face. It was a really good connection and um, she wanted a website doing and, you know, and, and, and I was pretty confident I could give her what she want, you know, what she was asking for. Um, so I did the draft website and I sent it over and she, she sort of, she was kind of lukewarm coming back to me. I said, don't worry, you know, it's totally fine. This is normal. It's the first draft. We'll kind of take it from there. Um, and, and, and then and I was waiting for some feedback from her and I didn't, I didn't want to chase her up. I didn't want to kind of nag her too much. So I just left it. And then after about um, a few weeks or a month, maybe, word not heard back from her, I went and had a look on the website and it had completely changed from what I'd done. So I got in touch with her and I said, uh, hi, your website appears to have designed itself and it's very different to what I did. She said, oh yeah, well, I was just so unhappy with the direction it was going. I had to hire somebody else and now I'm not going to pay you. Mm. And so I was like, what, what, what? And so then obviously I was beating myself up about oh, I should have followed up with her sooner, I should have, you know, done a better design in the first place and everything else. Um, but actually what really helped me in that in that situation was trying to see it from her perspective as well um, and actually then trying to have a conversation with her about it. So for me, thinking about, okay, she was probably felt really awkward. She, you know, she probably felt bad. She probably didn't want to hurt my feelings to talk about the what she wasn't happy with. For her, she actually took the path of least resistance by employing somebody else to do the work rather than having a difficult conversation with me. And so I actually got in touch with her and said, look, I just want to have a really quick chat. I promise there's no kind of hard feelings or anything. And she messaged back straight away saying, I really appreciate you saying that. I'll give you a call in a minute. So we had a call on the phone and just as unsuspected, she, yeah, she felt a bit awkward. She'd never done that kind of, she'd never gone through that website creation process before. She wasn't sure how it was supposed to work. So I'd probably not outlined enough about the fact that it was just an initial 
version of it. But the outcome was she agreed to pay me for the work that I'd okay. done. Okay, the bonus. So, so actually, even though it was a sort of failure to deliver on what I wanted to do, the, it's not necessarily completely unsalvageable. And so I think sometimes when you're at the point where it feels like it's all going to fall apart and there's nothing that can be done to salvage it, actually the power of having a conversation, just going back to our previous episode about isolation and that human connection, I think having that conversation with somebody and also trying to think of it from their perspective and, and just doing as much as you can really to, to, to resolve the situation in a professional way can, can save it from being a bad failure and make it, again, something which is more like, I suppose for me, I, I, you know, it's it's something that I'm learning from, and I chalk it down to experience. And it wasn't a great feeling at the time, but you no, know, it hit your ego a bit when yeah, you're trying exactly. to design a website, yeah, and then and, you then, don't, and, and then, then they completely go to someone else. But yeah, it's made it a bit easier for me. So I think I think it's kind of the stuff you can do. You know, if you mess up something with a client, just be open with them about the fact that you've done it. I think hiding from your failure or perceived failure is probably the worst thing that you can do yeah and if it has all gone wrong try to salvage learning a relationship try to salvage what you can out of it yeah and it will, you'll get something out of it even if you're wiser next time and i think that the other thing is everybody's human and everybody does make mistakes and i think as you know you were saying people are more aware of you you're more aware of your own perceived failings than other people are i think the other thing is that people are probably more willing to forgive you than you expect them to and so I think, you know, because people understand that they've messed something up in the past, if you're honest about it with them, if you own it and if you say how you're going to try and fix it, then I think that most clients, probably not all, but a lot of clients will understand, you know, it probably depends on the impact it's had on their business if you're doing work for them. But I think if you go for the kind of human connection again, then I think people understand because they they can relate it to an experience that they've had where they didn't do something quite as they were planning to. So I think when it's working with other people and delivering stuff for other people, there are ways to make it less of a failure. Yeah, it's interesting. When I did used to work for a bank, they, they, they used to be really hot on complaints. And, and actually, they, first and foremost, they would rather receive complaints than not. So we, were, we worked uh, in a sales function at one point and we had only recorded two complaints two complaints in a month or a quarter now if you consider how many thousands or millions of customers there are the chance of there only being two dissatisfied people regardless of whether we were at fault or not is slim to none um so they said well hang on a minute you're not having enough complaints um <laughs> and the other reason was uh, and it's true you never get things 100 percent right so if you're not getting any complaints or critical feedback ever you're just you're tone deaf to it it's not that it doesn't it's not out there but the other thing was that the 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 customer service studies show that if you drop the ball but put it right or if there is a complaint and you deal with that complaint effectively customers are more loyal than had the complaint never taken place in the first place now i'm not saying screw up for your customers and then retreat (laughs) i wouldn't do that as a business strategy but there as you say you can actually strengthen the bond as well so if you if you screw up for other people then i think you're right rescue it i think there's something if you screw up for yourself too so we've talked about failure when we compare to others but sometimes we fall fall short by our own standards and we feel like we're a failure at life or at business in ourselves and i think there's something there about um 
reviewing the way we we perceive failure for ourselves so maybe we thought we would be earning more by now or maybe there's an opportunity we thought we'd have nailed or maybe we thought our business would have grown or we had a working with certain customers and maybe we're not there yet and we can feel quite bad about that and maybe we've tried things that haven't worked but again I think there's something there about just taking a step back and taking the learning from that so what have I learned and there's something about this there's no failure only feedback mindset and I think we're we're generally brought up to especially in the workplace to do your homework do your research get the stats get the facts make predictions about how things are going to pan out and then get it right first time and there's kind of this expectation expectation that if we're good at what we do and we are the experts then we should be able to predict what's going to happen and get it right first time but if again if you read books by various um I'm trying to name some of them now, but there's loads of books that I've bought recently or webinars or YouTube videos you see from the entrepreneurs. And what they do really well is that they try to screw up. They they literally are happy to wade in, screw up over and over and over and over. And they see each screw up as a success because they learned something. So they go, right, it's not that. Right, it's not that either. Okay, that didn't work. Okay, I'll keep that bit but I'm not gonna do that again. And they just keep iterating and screwing up until eventually they get the product that works. What's really interesting about that is that it would take you months to really do your research and get something right. And in all that time you've spent getting to the point where you're ready to act, thinking, yeah, I've pretty much got this right. But you're only going to find out if you've got that right once you go live. Meanwhile, the entrepreneur has got it wrong so many times. They know for sure they've got further. They've got a more accurate, better product just for learning the hard way. And I think that's the difference between some of the most successful people and, uh, you know, some of us who move a little bit slower. Yeah, I think that intentional failure can be really, really motivating and actually kind of almost turn it on its head, you know, like kind of taking ownership of it and taking control of it and going, no, actually, I'm going to control failure so that failure doesn't control me. And, you know, one of our friends, Katia, um, one of the things she was doing was she, she did herself a little kind of sticker chart with like a little kind of reward chart with gold stars. And I think she had gold stars and silver stars. Um, and gold stars was for every time she tried, tried something she really wanted to do yeah tried something and then the silver one was every time she failed so she was also rewarding herself for failure oh it's the way round she got, oh, she, was got it, was it, she got the silver stars for everything she successfully the gold was for every time she failed and then and so at the end of that she'd get you know there was a reward that she was going to give for herself for failing so I think like I think that's a really cool idea that I'm quite you know I quite want to try that yeah to, I like to, that I like that she was doing her Instacake workshop that's how she was, yeah. was basically getting that design process done wasn't it exactly so I think that you know it's 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 how you perceive it that makes a difference I think and you know changing those perceptions can really help and I think the other thing is that like actually even if you can't even if it's just gone wrong and maybe you maybe you lose a client or you have to stop one bit of your business that's probably not the end of the world. I think unless that's it's, it, unless yeah. that client was your only income and now you can't pay your mortgage and everything else. Obviously, that's quite bad. But in most cases, actually, maybe that client wasn't a good fit. If they couldn't understand why you kind of made the mistake you did or whatever, maybe that isn't a good fit. And maybe that opens you up for a client that's a better fit. And you can generally find something to kind of replace that one client. Or, you know, for, for me, one of the things, I mean, I... I like I get distracted by shiny new ideas all the time. <laughs> so one of the things I used to do was um, 
uh, monthly newsletter called Squarespace Club, where I talked about all the new developments of Squarespace and did loads of tips and stuff. And I had a few subscribers and they said, you know, it was really useful to them and stuff, but it was just taking up so much of my time for so few people that it was benefiting. And in the end, something had to give and I just had to say, I'm not, I can't do that anymore. I don't have the capacity to do it anymore. And I did feel a bit like, oh, you know, I, I, I didn't make a success of that and I could have done if I'd have had more time or anything. And so I feel a bit, a bit like, oh, was that a bit of a failure? But I'm really aware that it, it freed up my time to do so much more because I wasn't spending all my time on, yeah. on that. And it helped me to focus a lot more. Yeah, that wasn't the right thing for me anyway. But yeah. actually, here's where I'm getting my wins. Yeah. I think I think that's definitely true. Okay, just tell us a bit. I know you know a bit more about the tech world than I do. And um, we're talking about things like minimal viable products, which if people who don't know it, maybe you could explain it. And some of the really interesting things that have come out of kind of that space, because I think there's some really good examples there. Yeah, so so the minimum viable product is the idea that a bit like you were saying before, where, where people are kind of very quickly establishing what works and what doesn't work and very happy to fail quickly rather than keeping everything under wraps and developing what they think is the perfect piece of software or the perfect app, only to find when they launch it, it's not really what people want. So the the minimum viable product is basically, yeah, what's the kind of simplest version of this software or this app that we can launch that will be usable by people so that we can then start to get their feedback and we can actually then create an app and something that's really useful for them. So it's part of a kind of wider movement called the Lean Startup, which is this idea of kind of moving quickly and fast. And it's the idea of being the opposite to the lumbering kind of corporate organisations that Let's take get a project group three together. years to actually make a decision about a about yeah, a board meeting that has to take place for the planning of blah, blah, blah. So I think that's a really interesting approach because, yeah, in that situation, failure is embraced. You know, the people's expectations are also managed because the people are being told, you know, this is a product that we're going to we're going to create and we're going to make it with you. And I think people get really excited about being part of something like that. So, you know, actually, more and more companies are launching things in a beta phase where they're basically going, do you know what? This product's probably going to have some bugs. It's full of bugs, yeah. But people really want to be part of that because they know that their feedback can actually help to shape the direction of a product. And it's really nice to feel like you're part of something. And we like to feel like we're also getting kind of an early insight into something as well. You know, this could be the next Facebook and we're part of the early adopter group that's going to kind of be a part of it. But it's Um, great because you get the feedback quickly, don't you? So you get told very quickly, no, that doesn't work. Exactly. Yes, can I have some more of this, please? Exactly. And quite often people will end up completely redesigning the, the the app. So, you know, it might, the, the even the fundamental purpose of the app might have changed by the end of that testing period because what they thought people wanted wasn't what they wanted, but there might be one small bit of that app or software that's super useful for people. So then that's what people focus on, but only by trying and failing are they finding out whether that's happening. And there's, um, there's a really cool movement called Fuck Up Nights. Uh, which is basically, it's all over the world. Uh, there was one in Manchester about a year or so ago. I think they're doing it in Sheffield as well. But you know, if you, if you look it up, there's, there's quite a few happening around the world. And basically, they, they invite entrepreneurs to come and share their biggest failures and celebrate them and then share what they've learned from them. And it's so fun. We went to the Manchester one and it was just so interesting to see all these people that were like, yep, yep, I fucked up and here's what happened. And some of the, you know, some of it was like, 
big. I lost a lot of money. Like, <laughs> like I had this restaurant empire that then crumbled to the ground and I had to start over again kind of thing. But they were all, every single person was, was saying I wouldn't be where I am now, which was in a good place, had I not had that failure. And, you know, yeah, at the time it was awful for them, but they were grateful for it in the long run. Yeah. Um, so, and, so I think it's really good to have those movements like that, that are... Make it socially acceptable. Yeah, yeah, and sharing and celebrating the fact that we're all human and we all mess up. And moving away from what you mentioned earlier, that kind of like, you know, covering your back kind of culture of, of trying, to, trying to hide your mistakes rather than just actually being upfront and... Only yeah, them. it's really good. And like I say, you do hear some of the big, big entrepreneurs, they tell you their success story. You go, wow, what a success story. And they go, and then I threw it all away by making a mistake. <laughs> and you're like, oh my God. But then they've clearly made another business again. And what they say is, look, at that time the business was wrong, but I had learned so much that I backed myself. I then knew that if, having done it once, created something and built it up, even when it all fell down, I then knew that I had the skills and the knowledge of how to do it. And I backed myself and I had the confidence. Well, I've done it once and all I need to do now is just do it again, but a bit wiser. Yeah, it was like you were saying after your first business, you were like, I'm an entrepreneur now, yeah, so yes. I can do this. I've screwed up a business. I've <laughs> had to set one up as well and, and how to see it through. So I felt, I felt much better, definitely. And I think there's something, you know, if you can almost, I don't think I quite share their excitement for looking forward to failing quite as hard as some of these I guys think do. it's hard, yeah. And, and I think it's They're really... a bit reckless, some of them as well, let's be honest. Yeah, and <laughs> I suppose that's the thing, like, yeah, culturally... Again, the difference I think between the US and the UK is is that we are probably slightly more conservative in a business sense, um, and slightly yeah. less kind of cheesy, I suppose, when we talk about it. Yes, um, but I think people still aren't probably. I don't think we have a culture yet where we're still talking about failure as openly as we could be. You know, when you hear about the the kind of you know you see the kind of here's how I made my six figure income ads on Facebook or whatever. Like a lot of these people who were saying how they got to where they were are almost providing an edited version of their, yeah, of their journey to get there. And I think we probably all need to be including more of our failures and more of our setbacks and things, more of what didn't go well, so that it normalises a bit and makes other people feel okay if that happens to them. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, you say it just does make it better to have that culture where we can talk a bit, talk about it, and it's sought after. When I when I worked for a bank, um, we had a technical hitch. I used to work for a bank which uh, screwed up on the IT side, and people couldn't access their current accounts and their money for their businesses or their personal life for days on end. And a really interesting thing happened. Normally, it wasn't what, TSB. Let's just say that it wasn't <laughs> company, no, uh, another bank that did that. And what happened was that when um, normally in order to get any IT changes done you would need to it would take months it would take six months you know you'd have your project meeting you'd all have your roles you'd all do your bit you'd sign things off you'd have a plan sign off the plan start the first phases all this kind of stuff sign off after sign off each level had to sign it off when the what was then referred to as the incident <laughs> yes it was referred to as the I'm not even joking internally um, the incident happened the people at the top turned around to the people on the front line and said just get it fixed 
totally trust those people to get it fixed. There was no fear of failure. No, how do I put my idea on a cross in the meeting to get sign off or approval? It was just, you're closest, you know what's best, get it done, try it, fix it, work with it, just get it back online. And actually they weren't worried about failing, they just put the fix in place. And what took six months took 48 hours. Yeah. And it's crazy. And had did they let people work like that all the time and then allow them the occasional screw up, but able to, to learn from that screw up, that business would move significantly faster. But they didn't. After the, They said we would learn from our mistakes, but actually they just went straight back. back. To this, went back to the status quo and yeah. doing uh, things the way they've always been done. So we have this fear. And I think it's, we also have, if people have fear of failing because we compare to other people. But I think we also, as a say feels quite quite bad and as you say a fear of failure can cause you to to not act in the first place so we fear making terrible decisions but what we don't fear is not making a decision at all and sometimes that's more of a failure air quotes (laughs) than failing to act so just think if you you were prepared to fail prepared to fail faster um you would probably do much better than failing to decide and i think you could also phrase it a bit like you know your story with the bank there if you had nothing to lose, what would you do? Yes. And yeah. actually ask yourself that question. Now, obviously, you know, again, don't just do anything completely don't reckless. Don't be reckless, don't throw people's money away. Disclaimer, <laughs> don't sue us. Um, but yeah, you know, what what would you do differently if you didn't have anything to lose? If you knew, there's a question I think I've seen, you know, what would you do if you knew that you couldn't, couldn't fail? fail? Yeah. Is the one I've seen quite a lot. Or what would you do if you knew that you were guaranteed to fail, but you had to do something and you just had to go along with it and you knew it would fail? And actually just, you know, what learning would you, how would you maximise your learning from that experience if you knew it was going to fail? And what would you do differently? So I think taking those different approaches well that's a good one for me because i think um sometimes we go oh how can i how can i do this in such a well uh well thought out way that i don't fail and sometimes i think we need to go into it with the mindset i'm going to screw up at something i'm not going to be good at everything i am going to have bumps or i am going to make mistakes so how will i mitigate them but actually what will i learn for them and how will i use that feedback from those and make it part of my journey and actually if we go to expect that we're not going to get it right first time we're less likely to feel like a failure in the first place which i think would make a huge help yeah definitely so we've kind of talked about why failure is more of an issue for freelancers and why we feel like failures and whether failure is even a real a thing. thing. Is it we a thing? Can you like fail? have to rename the episode of calling it learning instead of <laughs> failure? Um, but Michelle, what would you say is the one action that that you would take if if you can only do one thing to kind of improve your relationship with failure what would you do i think a big learning for me is i know in the past when i've been frustrated with my lack of progress um it's been because i have been i've not failed fast enough so if i could pick one thing i'd say reframe or reappraise failure as learning and think how can i learn quicker and so for me a, a big takeaway is just just do stuff. Your minimum, <laughs> minimum viable product idea. I don't sell physical products. Um, but but it could apply to a service product just or, as much. Or just yeah. a plan that yeah, you have. Yeah. And so for me, yeah, fail fast, just learn faster. Yeah. Um, I think for me, I would probably say, I, I, I kind of like the idea of committing to trying to fail, like, you know, one thing a week or one thing a month or something. And just, like, actually, yeah, trying to fail at something. Uh, and actually, it's, from what Katia said, it's actually harder to actively fail than you might think. Like you can really try and fail and it might actually end up working out really well. Um, I think for me, it's around marketing is where I have a lot of fear um, of failure in that like, you know, if I kind of, 
if if I if I try and market my a workshop, for example, that I'm doing, and I market it, I put loads of effort in, and still nobody comes, that feels like a waste of effort. So in the end, I don't market it, and that guarantees that nobody comes. So I think I think I need to be less of afraid of failure in terms of putting myself out there and and kind of shouting about my what I'm doing in that sense to the world. Um, so that's like, what I'm going to try and do differently. Oh, good for you. Well, look, there we go. We've both been on the journey today. <laughs> and so that's all we've got time for on this episode. But remember, you can say hello to me, Katie, on Twitter at The Wheel Exists. And uh, you can say hello to me, Michelle, at Dive Deep Dep, Dep, DVP. Too complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it's short for development. It is. Dive Deep, dive deep for development, yeah. And if you've got a problem that you'd like us to discuss, then let us know, get in touch with us. And to make sure that you catch our upcoming episodes, do subscribe to our show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Great. Well, take care, everyone. Goodbye. And we'll see you soon for another freelance problem.